0: What's up, church family? Uh, My name is not Grant. My name is Tori. I'm the lead pastor here at The Well, if I haven't gotten the chance to meet you. Uh, But I wanted to kind of kick off and introduce our series a little bit. So, Uh, we're doing partners in the gospel, and essentially what that looks like is uh, bringing in different people that we have partnered with in different ways uh, in the gospel together. We know that the well is not the only church where Christ is doing this beautiful kind of sacred work, and we want to be able to sit under, receive from others as well. And so we'll have a couple of different people from uh, different churches that are in this. We'll actually have some of our own, and I'll also be teaching some in this series as well, talking about how we can partner with each other in the gospel, but um, this afternoon, we actually get the privilege of hearing from one of my best friends. Um, Grant is uh, the pastor of a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. We actually went to college together, and so I've known this man for almost 20 years now, and uh, Grant is uh, the first white person that I ever met that laughed like a minority, And it was like great. We would always get in trouble in the dining hall and he would be the loudest one, all right? And so uh, I love it. But uh, Grant has been super faithful to gospel ministry uh, and just a consistent encouragement to me. Uh, Pretty much every time I just need to be uh, encouraged in the faith, I actually hit up Grant and uh, we are able to really encourage one another. So I'm gonna have him come on up. Y'all give it up for him as he comes on up. Thank you.
1: All right, what's up, guys? Good to see you. Good, all right, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Man, Tori is an awesome brother in Christ. I am so thankful for him. He has been uh, one of the most influential people in my life. I told him that earlier this morning, but uh, he discipled me some while we were in college, and uh, you guys are really blessed to have him as a pastor here, I can tell you that. I think this is a sweet series that you guys are doing, having the opportunity to uh, bring some other people in and just get to hear from Uh, brothers in in Christ that are serving in other contexts. I know it always does well for my heart to get to see God's uh, body kind of just moving all over the not just the country but even the world. I got to spend some time in Cuba earlier this summer and I got to worship with believers down there. That was awesome. I just have some friends that got back from Nepal and they saw God moving like crazy uh, through some slums where there's revival that's happening in Nepal. I got some friends that just got back from Indonesia that were uh, doing ministry on college campuses there and seeing Christ move in in awesome ways. And so uh, it's always a good reminder for me to just know that God is God over all things, right? Like we know that from the scriptures, but it's good for me to be reminded of that every time I travel somewhere and I get to meet uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And as I think about that, it's like, man, why is it that all these different places we can go to, whether that's uh, Cincinnati to Austin, or even to Cuba, or Nepal, or Indonesia, or wherever it may be, uh, that there's Christians there. And uh, the the answer to that is ultimately, God has made that happen through his Holy Spirit, empowering people to go and plant churches all across the world. And as you think that, you you were just celebrating some people here this morning uh, that are being sent off uh, to, to go to one of your church plants. And that is like a really difficult thing to do, right? Like it's hard to send people off. Uh, But thank you for being faithful to the mission that God has given us, to go and make disciples all the way uh, to the ends of the earth. And man, I uh, just love the fact that this is part of your guys' DNA here at The Well. As I was looking through uh, your mission and vision, I saw that you guys believe the local church is God's means of redeeming the world. And that the best way to reach the world is to plant churches. And so because of that, you don't celebrate growing, you celebrate going. Right? And that is, that's my heart too. I love that. Uh, we actually just sent out our first church plant from my church in Cincy. Uh, yeah. Praise God, right? <clears throat> we uh, just sent them off up to Buffalo, New York. So some people that are ready to suffer in the snow up there. Do you think I have it bad being in Cincinnati? Just they went off to New York uh, to, to deal with snow most of the year. And uh, they're doing it because they love Jesus and because there's a campus there that needs uh, the Word of God. And uh, so what I want to do with you guys this morning, or I guess it's not morning, it's afternoon. Uh, what I want to do with you this afternoon is really just uh, work biblically through what are the biblical origins behind church planting, why is this something that's so important, and then I want to really help encourage you to see what your role can be in this, because I believe that every single person in here, whether you're someone that's going to be going off on one of these church plants, or whether you're just someone that's going to continue to be a part of this church, you have a part to play in this, all right? So uh, let's pray, and then I'll, I'll dive into some scripture. God, uh, you are worthy. You're awesome. Um, I thank you that we just get to sing praises to you. That always does good to my heart to just be able to lift up your name. And Lord, I pray that um, we would worship you not just with our words as we do when we're singing, but uh, we'd worship you with our lives. God, I pray that uh, we'd worship you with our minds here, just even as we uh, commit ourselves to uh, focusing on your word as we commit to trying to understand it and apply it to our lives. God, I just pray that you would be in this room. I know that you're already here. I just pray you'd make us aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, you would convict us, that you would move in our hearts, and that you'd shape us more into people that you want us to be. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord, and uh, we just pray all this in your son's awesome name. Amen. All right, so let's look a little bit about, like, what exactly church planting is. I don't know uh, kind of where all of you are. Maybe for some of you, you come from uh, a church where you're used to hearing that term all the time. Maybe for some of you, you're newer here to the well, and you kind of hear church planting. Like, w- w- what is that? Well, um, the reason we use that term is because church planting is really just talking about going and starting churches in new places. Uh, but Why plant? Well, when you think about it, when you put a plant somewhere, what does it do? It sends its roots like down into the soil where it is. It grows up. It matures. And then if it's healthy, it actually does what? It will drop seeds. It will, it will do something to multiply and be able to make more plants in that area as well. And that's really how the church should be functioning too. When we start a church, it doesn't just uh, exist for itself, but what it needs to do is send its roots down into the soil where it is, get into the community and the heart of this place where it is, grow up, and then if it's healthy, it should go and start to plant more as well. And I would say that church planting is actually a part of just regular missional living that the the Christian uh, is doing. As, As Christians go and take the gospel with them wherever they go, churches should be springing up in these places. And when we see the first churches planted in Scripture, that's exactly how it happened. We see church planting kind of by the act of scattering. You see, When uh, Pentecost came, right, you have have Jesus, he's crucified, he raises from the dead, and then he tells his disciples actually to wait there in Jerusalem, telling them that they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not that long from now. About 40 days later, Pentecost comes, and what happens? The Holy Spirit comes, tongues of fire fall on these people, they start preaching the gospel in all these different languages, and there's over 3,000 people that get saved. I mean, it's an awesome thing that's happening there. Stuff is going great. But as this church starts to grow and starts to flourish in Jerusalem, persecution starts to come. And we see this, uh, there's a man named Stephen that gets stoned to death uh, for preaching the gospel, and we see this in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. So we see that in one sense you look at it's like man this is terrible everything was going great the gospel uh, was moving like like crazy in Jerusalem the Holy Spirit was convicting people of sin they were getting saved and all of a sudden persecution happens and our natural reaction because we're we're people that love comfort is like man that's a really terrible thing and on one level it is because it's sinful to be persecuting Christians but God is awesome at taking terrible things and making good come of them And so as this scattering takes place, what happens? The people don't just say, oh, I'm done following Jesus. Yeah, they go, but they go and they take the gospel with them. And as they go and they take the gospel with them, new churches start to pop up. Now, it doesn't say that explicitly there in that Acts 8 passage, but if we skip ahead a little bit to Acts 11, look, this will give us some more detail here on what happened with some of these people. Acts 11, uh, verses 19 to 26 And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So there you go. You want to know why you're called a Christian? Look back to Antioch. That's where his name came. Um, but what do we see in Antioch? There was a church that popped up. Why? Out of these, this persecution, out of this scattering. There were Christians that started to preach the word. Uh, that they came to faith, and God ends up planting a church out of it. All a result, simply, of missional living. Now, as these people continued to seek the Lord, they didn't just count on persecution to be something that would plant churches, though. We see that they uh, were getting after the Lord, they were praying, they were fasting, and we see that the Holy Spirit starts to move them to do something else beyond just what we see in Antioch. We see this in chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Manaan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, once again, we have things going great in Antioch, just like they were going great in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, as they're seeking the Lord, what does he do? He starts to throw a wrench into their plans. He says, Set aside for me Barnabas and Saul. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to have Barnabas and Paul in my church, (laughs) okay? Like, I mean, Barnabas, we just uh, read about him earlier. It says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He was like a big-time encourager. Paul, half of your New Testament was written by him. Like, the sermons in this church, I'm sure, were awesome. I'm sure the people were really well cared for. They were encouraged. They are not the kind of people that you would want to leave your church. But because this church wanted to be faithful to what the Holy Spirit was leading them to do, what'd they do? They set them aside. And if you read on Acts, you see what that setting aside meant was that they were gonna be sent out. They're they're sent out, they go, and they start planting all these churches. And it's hard to let go of people that we love a ton. Like when we sent out our team to Buffalo, that was hard. Like these are some people that I had been doing ministry with for a long time, people that I had become uh, really good friends with, people that were serving our church in awesome ways. But because we felt like the Lord was leading us to go and to plant churches in other places, we're like, all right, we're gonna lay hands on you, we're gonna pray for you, and we're gonna send you off. And and man, when I look at this church in Antioch, I just say, praise God that they were listening to the Holy Spirit. Like, praise God that they cared more about what he wanted than they cared about their own comfort. Because it sure would have been a lot more comfortable to just sit there in Antioch with everything going as well as it was. You know... What would have happened if they hadn't been listening to the Spirit? I think about that sometimes. Like if they had just said, hey, we've got a great thing going on here. We're going to stay. How many churches would not be planted because of that? Like how many people would not have heard the gospel? We don't know. We would never know because thank God they were faithful. But think of how much more the gospel went. All the, your New Testament is a product of church planting, Right, Think about that. So much in the New Testament is letters that were written back to churches that Paul planted on these missionary journeys. So not only would we have not had all those churches, we wouldn't have even had the correspondence that makes up much of our New Testament. And so you know, as, as Paul and Barnabas go out They go out, but they don't just go as traveling evangelists. And it took me a long time to realize this. You know, I grew up in church. I knew a lot about Paul, you know, the missionary that would go. And I would always just kind of envision him as being a guy that go. He'd preach in a town, and then he'd kind of get out of there. And we can feel that way when we read through Acts, because it takes such a short time to read through each chapter. But when you look at what they were actually doing, they weren't just itinerant preachers. They were church planters, Okay, I say this because um, look at all these different ways that show us that they weren't just preaching the gospel; they were actually raising up churches before they would move on. Uh, The the first thing I see: Paul prayed and prayed for and maintained concern for the churches that he started. All right, he talks in Philippians about how he made frequent prayers for them. Philippians uh, one three to five, he says, "I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for for you all, making my prayer with joy." Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was praying for these people. And as a matter of fact, when you think of all the difficult things that he went to, which if which you've read Acts, you know he went through a lot of difficult stuff. One of the main things that he thought about that was actually hard on his life was the concern that he had for all these churches that he planted. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 11, 28 to 29. He's listing out all these different trials he's been through. He says this, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? These aren't people that he just didn't know, that he kind of preached the gospel and left, but they're, they're people that he helped raise up, that he helped disciple for a period of time, and that he helped to establish churches. And as he did that, he maintained correspondence with them after he left. I talked about this a little bit already, but you see that your New Testament is comprised of letters that are written back and forth to all these different places. And we also see that Paul raised up leaders in these churches. He stayed in Corinth, for at least a year and a half. We see Acts 18:11 says, And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. When he was in Corinth. In Ephesus. When he came back the second time, he stayed at that church for at least two years. Look at what we see here in Acts 19, 8-10. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation... He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Right? He's spending two years. And what happens? Because this church is invested in, all of Asia hears the gospel. We see that when he needed to leave Ephesus, he even left Timothy behind to care for that church there, which you see in 1 Timothy 1.3. And not only did Paul raise up leaders himself, but he also instructed those leaders to raise up other ones as well. He left Titus at Crete and he said this, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Leadership development is such a huge thing if you want to be a church planting church. And I know that you guys have a ton of stuff like that that's helping contribute to that here. That's awesome. I know you've got a residency program. I saw some other stuff that was on the screen there. I would encourage you guys um, to, to get involved in that. Like be developed as leaders and do everything you can to develop other leaders as well because that's what's necessary for the continual planting of churches. And so we see that the gospel exploded in the first century not just because someone was running around preaching the gospel, but because through the power of the Holy Spirit people were traveling around preaching the gospel and planting churches that raised up leaders, that raised up leaders, that raised up leaders. And so why is it that this is the means that God used to get us to this spot we are today, where I said, man, I can go to Indonesia, I can go to Nepal, I can go to Cuba, wherever, I can find Christians there. And that's happened through church planting. Why is this the means that God has used? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons I could give you, but one of the biggest I would say is this, that healthy churches show the gospel. They show the gospel in a way that is actually uh, different from what you can do by yourself just in preaching it, okay? Preaching the gospel is of course wonderful, it's awesome, it's absolutely essential. But a healthy church has the opportunity to show it in a way that an individual can't. Why is that? Because at the heart of the gospel, it's a message of reconciliation. Like essentially that's what it is. It's a message of how two parties that were far from each other have been brought back together. That's why Paul calls himself a minister of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5. And so what we see in the gospel, it says, hey, God is good and holy and perfect, and we are people that, that have sinned against him and have, have been separated from him because of our sin. But because of God's great love, he took on flesh, walked to this earth, and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, so that the gap that once existed between us can be closed and that we're no longer far off from God but we are brought together with him, actually into his family and adopted as his children. The church gets to show that in a way that you can't show that just as an individual. Because just as we were far off from God and we were separated in our sins, honestly, just as people, we have a hard time getting along with each other very often. Like our world is very fractured. As people, we break relationships and get mad at each other and stuff all the time. And what the church should be is this picture of reconciliation where we can take people from every tribe, nation, tongue, from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ages, different genders, all this kind of stuff, and they can come together and be one in Christ. Read your New Testament. See how often this theme comes up where we see this idea of of, the fact that God is bringing all these people together into one. I just got done preaching through the book of Romans at my church, and it's amazing on and on, like so many times we see this in Romans, how Paul is trying to help them see that God has brought both Jew and Gentile together into one people of God. And so wherever the fault lines are in our society, whether it's racial fault lines or economic fault lines or or whatever it may be, the church gets to be a place that should be illustrating the way that God unifies. Because God is a God of reconciliation, and that's honestly why I believe that uh, when Jesus was asked for the greatest commandment, what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. All along the prophet hang on these two commandments. Why did Jesus do that? Like, he wasn't asked for the second. When he was asked that question, all he was asked for was the first, but he didn't give it by himself. He wanted to give the second as well. And I think it's because those two things are inextricably tied together. Like, there's no such thing, like, if, if we are to be people that love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we have to be people that love our neighbors. As we love ourselves. That's part of what it means to even be someone that loves God in that way. And so the church, as we come together to love each other in this way, we get to be a witness to the world that is so much powerful than whatever you can do by yourself. You know, this is what Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for one another is how people will know that we are disciples of Jesus. And man, when Tori and I met at H2O in Bowling Green, this was honestly something that changed my life. I grew up in the church. I, I honestly, I had a relationship with the Lord coming into college. I loved him, um, but, but I really didn't, have a great understanding of how the church was supposed to impact my life even though I grew up in it the whole time and as I got off to college I knew man I want to I've read the scriptures I know what the church should look like and I, I came and I visited this place called h my first Sunday being there and one of the things that stuck out to me and the reason I stayed there was because I saw this the love for one another and and man this, this was a marker of the people being disciples and so I started to get brought in and I started to be loved that way And I started to be discipled. And through that, what happened? Then I went and and helped with planting this church at Cincy, and that that cycle has continued. But man, when a church gets planted in a community, it gets to be like a a base of light in enemy, enemy territory that shows the gospel. And I believe this is why it's the primary means that God has used to make his word go out throughout the world. But you know, it's not just a dark and lost world that needs the church. Like, we need it too. Healthy churches are absolutely essential for healthy Christians. Following Jesus is really difficult if you're actually serious about it, okay? Like, anybody can mark that they're a Christian on a survey or something like that. But if you really wanna follow Jesus, what do you say? No one can be my disciple unless he denies himself, takes up his cross daily, and follows after me. Now, I don't know about you, but like self-denial does not come naturally and easy to me. <laughs> right? Like it, it doesn't. I don't want to deny myself. I want to give in to everything I want. I don't want to take up a cross. Like that, that's a torture and execution instrument. It, but, but Jesus says, man, if you want to be my disciple, that's what you've got to do. Now, that is a high and difficult calling. And of course, we know it's worth it, right? It's like the kingdom of heaven. It's like treasure hidden in a field. You sell everything you have, but you know that this treasure you've got is better. Yes. But man, right now, we live in this already, but not yet. We're like, we're walking by the spirit, but we still have the flesh. And so we find ourselves in this difficult time where every day we have to choose to deny ourselves. We have to choose to take up our cross. And guys, we need each other if we're going to do that well consistently. And and that's why God has given us the church. We see in Hebrews 10. This, the, a church that was undergoing persecution, is this letter, you can see that he's writing this, trying to help them stand firm in the faith as they're going through difficult times. He says this, Hebrews ten, twenty-three to 25, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And do not forsake meeting t- together because we have to. We need each other to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And this is why we need churches. And this is why we need to continue planting churches. They are light to a dark world and they're essential for healthy Christians to continue faithfully pursuing Jesus. You know, the world needs more churches. There's many communities that don't have enough churches and some don't have any at all. We see that Paul, that was really his ambition, was to go and to plant churches in places where the gospel had not really been preached. We see this in Romans 15, 20 to 21. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand I saw when I was looking at your guys' mission and vision and values that uh, you have this, this vision to plant all these churches and that you want that to be a mix of both uh, international plants and domestic plants. And man, w- when I think about how little gospel access there is in some of these places, I told you I had uh, friends that just got back from Indonesia who were there for uh, seven weeks. And they were telling me about all these people they shared the gospel with that had never heard it before. You know, it's like we, we can't... Imagine that, right? Like even if you're not a Christian or or you've never really even met someone faithfully following Jesus, you've at least kind of heard the gospel before. And there's a lot of places in this world that, man, people just don't have hardly any access. You're telling them a totally new story the first time that they hear it. And so as this church starts to raise up more people to be uh, planting churches internationally, I would encourage you to really seriously pray and consider, am I one of those people That like Paul was going to be going off to to preach the gospel in a place that, in many ways, it really hasn't been preached yet. When we were going through the process of planting our church, uh, we we sent our people over to East Asia, and that was a a serious place that they were considering. They ended up uh, on the University of Buffalo, but part of the reason they chose that is because the University of Buffalo has an amazing amount of international students. It's a very high percentage, and they know, man, there's a lot of people coming here from very, very low gospel access countries. But you know, there's a lot of communities here in the United States that still don't have enough churches as well. And these churches, like these communities are only going to be reached when churches, like a plant, sink roots down into them. Get into their community and help show the gospel in that special way. And that's why I love what you guys are doing in planting churches here around Austin as well. So what I want... To uh, As I I start to move towards the end here, I really just want to encourage you towards action because I said at the beginning that I believe every one of you has a role to play in this process in some way. And so here's what I would encourage you to do coming out of this. You know that church planting is biblical. Like You know that it's important. You know that this is God's means for which he wants to reach the world. So what do you need to do? The first thing I'd encourage you to do is really to seek clarity for what your role is in this. You do have a role to play. The question is just more of, are you a sender or are you a goer? You know, the church in Antioch had clarity about what they were doing. Why? They were ministering to the Lord with fasting. And the Holy Spirit did what? The Holy Spirit is who directed them and knowing who should be set aside for this work. It's not that one is necessarily better than the other, right? They were all listening to the Spirit. It's not that Paul and Barnabas were better than others. They're just the ones that were set aside. There's other guys that stayed there in Antioch that were listed as as, uh, prophets and teachers that were there. Okay, so I don't want you to assume that one is necessarily better than the other. But what I do want you to do is really be listening to the Spirit. God, what role would you have me play in this? Are you continually seeking the Lord's will for your life? You are already a person that has been sent on mission. The question is just, is that here in this area of Austin or is that going to be somewhere else. And guys, that can change throughout your life. Like you never know what that might be. I was, I was more of a goer when I came to help start the, the church that I pastor now in Cincy. And then now as I, as I sent this team out to Buffalo, I'm more of a sender. I don't know what the Lord's gonna continue to do, but I know that every day I need to consistently be listening for his will in my life. And I would also encourage you to get counsel from others that you have around you here. Like, once again, remember, healthy churches are necessary for healthy Christians. You guys have a great church here in Austin. And I would hope that as you're considering what, what your role is in planting, that you would be having these conversations with, the, with people in your community groups, uh, with people that disciple you, that you'd be asking, hey, what do you see in me? Do you think that I'm someone that might be a, a gifted in a way that I'd be really good for going out and, and uh, going on a church plant? Or do you think maybe I'm someone that's really gifted in being able to like raise up people here and send them out? Another thing I would ask you to do is to be someone that trains for maturity, right? Like Paul tells Timothy to discipline himself for the purpose of godliness. And you need to be mature if you want to be a part of church planting, right? things only reproduce once they get to a level of maturity, right? It's true for us as humans. It's true for plants, right? Like there's a certain level of maturity that's necessary before reproduction can happen. And so what I would encourage you to do is, man, like train yourself to be able to grow in godliness so that whatever your role may be, you'll be able to do it more effectively. If you're going, you are going to face a lot of challenges that you need to be ready for. Church planting is filled with all sorts of challenges. Any little setback seems like it can be the end of your church. <laughs> like, you, you never know if it's going to make it. You kind of don't have this established history and congregation and leadership pool to rest back on. And like, you're going to need to have a strong faith in the Lord to be able to do this. <laughs> yeah, there's some amens coming over. That's true, right? Okay, but, but if you're sending, I also want to let you know, like, man, anytime a church sends people out, like, there's gaps that are left right? Because we're sending out Paul and Barnabas, right? Like that we're sending out awesome people that are warriors for the Lord. And this church is going to need people to step up and fill some of those gaps and, and hopefully make this church even healthier than ever to be able to raise up more and more. And that's not going to happen unless you're continuing to train yourself in godliness to mature. So man, we, we need to be people that learn how to engage well with God, Right, I think you you guys say, say what, it, you you put it as exalt, uh, disciple, send, I think, right? I get that right? Yeah, there you go. Exalt, disciple, send, right? Um, man, we, we need to be people that are working with, with all that, that we'd be people that really grow in having a heart of worship that exalts God, where he's totally first in our life. That we'd be people that really, like, learn how to disciple. How is it that I invest everything I know about Jesus into another person? And then that we'd be people that, like, not, not only send, but like even model sending. I remember w- w- some of my biggest uh, growth in evangelism came from just like going out and being around other people that actually shared the gospel. We talk about sharing the gospel all the time in church. I grew up in the church, right, okay? I, I was like, uh, I had all the attendance pins and everything. I had no idea how to share the gospel with somebody until I got to college, right? Because I heard it consistently as, as an important concept but I didn't actually go share the gospel with anybody until I got to college. And so man, like may we be people that are are not only going and sharing the gospel, but I encourage you, bring other people along with you when you do that. Because that's how they're gonna learn. And and finally, the last thing I would say for you as you're thinking about what what you can do in response is just get in the game, right? Get in the game. You uh, are called to be an active follower of Jesus. I think too often we see church as, as a spectator sport, right? Or we, really, we see Jesus, following Jesus, as a spectator sport. Where it's like, if you think that the call of Christ on your life is to sit right here and that's it, I, I'm sorry, man, that's that's a, a deep misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus. I, I'm glad that you're sitting here. This is really great, but this is actually a space of equipping. Okay, this is a space where you're supposed to be equipped to go out and to, to, to be a disciple maker in all other areas of your life. So this is really more of a means than it is an end. Okay, so, so what I would encourage you to do is like, understand that God has called you to be an active participant. He, he wants you on his team. How sweet is that, right? Like the God of the universe has chosen you as a Christian to be on his team. He has put his Holy Spirit in you and he has empowered you to be a disciple maker, so I encourage you, man, just get up and do it. Like, if it's scary, that's why we've got each other, right? Like I told you, I didn't know what I was doing at first. Tori came along; he discipled me a ton in college. And, and I learned so much there. And, and through other people that have invested in me my, in my life as well. So if you're like, man, I want to grow, but I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to read my Bible well. I don't know how to have a consistent, quiet time. I don't know how to, to honor my wife or be patient with her or whatever it may be. Like, look around you. There are people in this room that want to help you with that. All right, and not just look around, but look up because God wants to help you with it too. Look to his word, be sensitive to his spirit. Man, I I love being on the same team with you guys. I know for most of you, I've never met you before, but you are my brothers and sisters in Christ if you're a Christian, and it's cool because we're family, so if I don't know you yet, I'll get to know you in eternity at some point Um, because it's cool, right? Like we're gonna be worshiping the Lord forever there, and I hope there's a lot more people we'll be worshiping him with because we were faithful in continuing to raise up disciples to plant more and more churches, right? So he's worthy. Let's pray, and uh, Tori's going to come back up and and lead us into some communion. Um, God, I love you, and I just thank you that you are so good and so worthy of all of our praise. God, I thank you that you're worthy of us uh, picking up our lives and and moving and going and doing new things that are scary. I think of how you called Abraham to go and leave the place where he was living and to go somewhere else that you had called him. And God, I see that you do that with us at church planting a lot of the time too. you called Paul and Barnabas aside to go and do something else. And Lord, that there may be people in this room right here that you are calling. To pick up and to go somewhere else, and if that's them, if they're they're listening right now, Lord, I pray that they would have ears that are attentive to your spirit. God, help them hear your voice. Help them know uh, that that you're calling, and start to give them direction, even in where that could be. And God, for those that that uh, you have planted here and and that you want to be staying here and that you want to be a part of the sending process I pray that you uh, would give them conviction in that and Lord that you would help them to be people that uh, really do everything they can to to raise up these leaders that are necessary God you've given us a commission and I just I thank you that you trust us like that that you've told us you want us to be disciple makers that you don't want us to just sit around I thank you you give us purpose in life, Lord, that, that getting to follow you is actually exciting, it's an adventure, it's meaningful. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to step into that. If there's anyone here the, that just kind of feels stuck in their faith or uh, that just feels without direction or anything like that, I, I pray, Lord, that this morning your spirit would, would minister to them and help them to realize that you have a great calling on their life. It's a privilege to serve you, Lord, And so we we want to continue worshiping you. I pray that as we move into this time of worship and communion, that it will be honoring to you, God, that that we wouldn't just honor you with our lips, but that our hearts would be close to you too. Lord, make us people that are responsive to this message and are responsive to your word. Uh, We love you and we pray this in your son's awesome name.